welcome back to Sing Those Cubby Blues. I'm David Bloomberg. And with me. Yeah. It's and been a long time. Real long time. Uh, it's good to be back. Cubs are, Cubs are good, you know. Yeah. It is. You know, it. Uh, last season, especially those last few months, were really tough. I think that weighed heavily on us both. And then the offseason did not go the way that either of us had foreseen. You know, I think we both thought the team would be in on the Harper Machado group of free agents, and they really weren't. They were withholding their money. Uh, our big offseason acquisitions were Daniel Descalso and Brad Brock, neither of whom is effectively with the team anymore. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> not quite how we envisioned. Not quite, but things kind of started to pick up around yeah, I mean, June, didn't they? We signed Craig Kimbrell, which was a which was a big move. Um, regardless of whether that was due to Zobrist being out and uh, or not, you know, whatever was going on there in terms of money being released to sign him, it was a good move. It was the right move. It was a move that should have been obvious in the off season, but that they did not do that. That no team in baseball did, which is uh, shameful really. Uh, and you've in to a degree, you've seen some of the effects of that as he's kind of had to work through kind of ramping himself up in season instead of being there from the get-go, uh, which is obviously not the best for him. It's not the best for anybody. Um, and he's hurt now. So, you know, that's tough. The Cubs have just had, you know, they've had poor luck with that bullpen really. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, the team currently sits in first. Uh, that's nice. Uh, they've looked a lot better recently. I think you've seen, especially the deadline acquisitions, you know, have really made the team better. They've, de- they've definitely made it a deeper team and a better team. Uh, I know you have a lot of thoughts about Castellanos, and I do as well. Uh, so I'll let you talk about Nick Castellanos because you are effusive in your praise of him. It is rare. And I... I think that once I think this first of all the story of the trade deadline was one is one of my favorite it's going to be one of my favorite things to go back and look at. Um, we're all sitting there, bated breath. There's ten minutes left, and a tweet comes out. I think it was Bruce Levine who said the Cubs had an offer on the table for Castellanos, but it was Johnny Pareda, and they weren't sure if the money was going to work out. And as far as he knew, that deal was done. And Castellanos at that point was playing a game that started at three oh seven, and at three was the trade deadline. And he is in uniform with the Tigers. The report is that he's in the on-deck circle to start the game hitting second. And as far as everybody knows, the Cubs have not traded for what is the most obvious acquisition you could have made this season. The, the Twitter timeline filled with angry people. I was angry. You were angry. Everybody was so angry because oh, yeah, it was just yeah. this obvious move that made the team better for relatively little cost as far as we knew, especially considering the Johnny Pareda. I mean, he's a, maybe a backup catcher one day, a very, very low cost trade that seemed like, Oh, it's easy. What are you doing? But yeah, the, the Cubs mean, were holding yeah. out, I think for a little bit more salary for slightly better prospects in the long run there. Yeah. I think that's definitely what was happening. Um, Clearly, financial constraints have been placed on this front office by the Ricketts family, and I'm certain we're going to get into that in a future episode because there is so much to talk about there. But 
but absolutely, I think financial constraints have been placed on them. And I think what you saw was Theo in the front office basically imploring the ownership group to open up the pocketbooks and say, what will it take to allow us to get this done? Because this is a, we don't hit lefties all that well, and that's not going to change unless we make some moves to address that issue. Castellanos has probably the best, you know, one of the best hitting outfielders against lefties in all of baseball and clearly the best hitting outfielder against lefties who was available at the deadline by a wide margin was someone who was an obvious guy to add to this team. He's not a slouch against righties either, but against lefties, he's such an obvious upgrade. You know, I mean, even Hayward, who's had a resurgent season, does not hit lefties all that well. Schwarber, we know, still doesn't hit lefties all that well, even though both of those guys are absolutely crushing righties. They are strong on the platoon side against righties, but we needed more outfielders who could hit lefties. And until Zobrist returns, uh, we had nobody. You know, Castellanos makes the team that much stronger and deeper along with the uh, along with the call-up of Ian Happ, bringing him back to the roster. You know, I mean, now you, have, you, now you have options. You have Happ, you have Kemp, you have Castellanos. You can mix and match, and, and that works it does a lot for me better too. for me. And the best part about the, the Castellanos trade, when it came down to the deadline was, you know, as we kind of saw afterwards, the, Theo came out and said they were begging the Ricketts, look, give us the money. You know, we, we can pack, we can add in some more prospects, but it's not going to be enough. They're not going to give us all the whole contract. We need a little bit more. And at the story goes, the Ricketts opened the pocketbook and the Cubs got the deal done 40 seconds before the deadline. The report didn't come out until 10 minutes after the deadline. So for about 10 minutes, the world had collapsed for everyone. And in, on the, at about the eighth minute, I was like, well, you know, it should really be like 20 minutes before we like completely jump off the cliff. Let's just hold up just a little bit. Maybe something came through. And not a minute later, they said Castellanos got pulled off. Mercer was on deck instead of him. And the trade got announced and it was glorious. It was, it was one of those moments where, you know, I can remember the, the Jason Hayward free agent signing, the John Lesser free agent signing. Those were moments where I remember sitting at my computer refreshing, waiting for the signings that had been rumored. And, you know, that, that, that was a similar moment for me where we knew what the deal should have been. We knew what the deal was going to be and we were just waiting there not knowing if it had actually happened the way it should i mean castellanos is the perfect outfield bat i mean he has come in and just rejuvenated the ball club and apparently rizzo's mad because of the comment the consistent praise for that that castellanos has simply hustled and, and hit so well that the rest of the team kind of seems like they don't look like they want it and Rizzo's kind of taking offense to that. And I'm like, good, go out there and get it. You guys haven't wanted it. You're like a 500 ball club for like 70 games. <laughs> this is a... But I also, yeah. I, I, also, I also understand the thinking on that. Uh, it's true, like Cassianos does bring a fire and an energy to the team, but I definitely don't think that Javier Baez or Anthony Rizzo or Chris Bryant no. are guys who are to blame for any issues the team has had. You know, those guys are excellent baseball players who give their 200% every single day when they're out there. Um, mm-hmm. If anybody looked lackluster, it certainly wasn't them. And, it, you know, it definitely, definitely not them. Uh, you could maybe make it, you could make a case for guys like Almora, Descalso throughout the season, uh, Bodia times maybe. Uh, you know, I mean, there's been, there's definitely been some of that. 
from the club, but I, it's, it's hard to say that those guys haven't given their all. Uh, it's been a really good season for Chris, an excellent season for Chris Bryant. Another great season for Javier Baez. Uh, when, before Contreras' injury, obviously he was having a great season. Um, Rizzo having, you know, mm-hmm. another typical Rizzo four-win season. Um, and, but I mean, we're so much deeper now. And even something like adding Tony Kemp, a very small move, an obvious move, a guy who just couldn't stay on the Astros roster because they've simply, they, I mean, they've simply got too many good players. And so guys who are clear major league roster guys like Tony Kemp wind up on the outside looking in sometimes. Just an obvious addition as a bench upgrade, somebody who can play second, who can play center field, who can play the corner outfield spots, uh, and who's a reasonably good hitter, a split neutral guy who can come off the bench and can play against either handedness of pitcher. Um, I mean, you know, essentially a big time upgrade over whatever was happening with Descalso, really. Um, and so he's, that, that's a good upgrade. Uh, David Phelps, you know, the, the jury's still out on him, but he looks all right. And he really doesn't have to be spectacular. He just has to be good enough in order to be an upgrade in the bullpen over guys like Brad Brock, who were sucking up, uh, innings and being completely unusable. Um, and, you know, just a will. I've, we've seen more of a willingness here recently to bring up young pitchers from AAA, guys who deserve a shot at the bullpen and let them run with it. I think we'd all been, I think, I think there was a pretty large portion of Cubs fandom that had been screaming about Rowan Wick for months now. Those of us who were aware of Wick were definitely on board with him. And his previous times up in the majors this season, he had not really gotten much of an opportunity and this time, finally, the Cubs brought him up. They've kept him up, largely due to injuries, and they've let him work out of the back end of the bullpen. They've let him work late in games, and he's been spectacular. I mean, just an absolute find of a player. Um, I mean, we traded a legitimate prospect for him. We traded Jason Vosler for this guy. So if you're going to trade someone real I, for a relief prospect, I'm interested best be in a number of other young guys as well you as Wick. I think Wick it. has been... You know, you look at what Crane Kimbrell brings. He brings a 95 to 97 mile an hour fastball with a heavy breaking ball. And then you look what Wick brings, and it's a 95 to 97 mile an hour fastball with a heavy breaking ball. And I'm like, I, he's probably not as good as Craig Kimbrell, but like, is he as good as Craig Kimbrell? Like, that's the that's the kind of talent you're dealing with with this with Rowan Wick. And he's got he's a bulldog. He's a huge dude. He's gonna go in and throw strikes. And if he walks a guy, he doesn't let it get to him. I mean, this guy's got a closer mentality. They sent him down Triple A. He closed games. Came back up, throwing, you know, two innings, getting used by Joe Madden in a bit of a weird way, considering what he looks like, which is a legitimate MLB closer. And he's not the only one, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, no, I I mean, you know, Dwayne Underwood, obviously, he made his debut for the Cubs this season. Uh, And... You know, it was that game we were being blown out by the A's. Just a miserable game for most, up till that point, pretty much a miserable game for the Cubs. But it allowed one thing to happen, which was Dwayne Underwood, who had come up due to injuries. You know, C-Sheck is out hurt. Uh, Kinsler is out hurt. Kimbrell is out hurt. Kyle Ryan just came back today from the bereavement list. It's good to have him back. But 
those three guys are all hurt. Brock is gone from the team. He's he's gone now. Um, and so we we needed somebody, and Underwood has been <laughs> phenomenal in AAA this year in a league that has lent itself to hitting. Let's say it has it has weighed quite a bit heavier towards the position players than it has the pitchers. I want to say it was JJ Cooper on Twitter today who pointed out that uh, that you could have an ERA over five in AAA this season and it would put you in the top ten of the league for starting pitchers ERA, which uh, I you know that says a lot. And I mean he would you know Dwayne Underwood was. He was running a 5.09 ERA in AAA, which sounds bad on the surface, but not as bad as you think when you hear that. But given that, I mean, he was striking out 25% of all hitters he faced there, and he had been doing better, even better than that recently. He comes up to the and that some of that are starts, you know, as a reliever, the reliever uh, conversion had gone extraordinarily well. Yeah, he's he's been and now good. up with the Cubs. You know, right. it's Two, it's two and two thirds innings pitched. It's not much, but he's running a negative FIP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, he he's got electric stuff, and it's just and that first appearance, those two innings where he struck out all six hitters he faced against the A's. I mean, the A's are a good lineup. It was a blowout game, but that's a good lineup. He faced good hitters. He struck them all out, and mm-hmm. looked great doing it. And it's sort of the Wick effect too. Rowan Wick came up. And he was just attacking hitters. He's just attacking hitters. He's going after them. He's trusting his stuff to win him the day. He is pitching with full confidence to attack them with his fastball. He is pitching with full confidence that he can that he can put his breaking pitches over the plate and they won't get crushed and he won't make mistakes. And if he does make mistakes, he'll get crushed. But he's not worried about it because he trusts in himself. And it's really, really what the team needs right now from the bullpen. Uh Underwood is a guy who deserves a chance to run with it. He's a guy who's been in this system for ages now, uh, who's always had the talent, but hasn't ever been quite able to stick as a starter. And I mean, this is what a good organi- this is what a good organization should do with pitching. Very, very few guys ever stick as starting pitchers. You know, I mean that that's why that I mean that is why pitching free agency is still a, is still going to be a bigger thing than position player free agency most of the time. I mean, you. the thing is, it's difficult to develop pitchers. It's really difficult. And the Cubs have had a difficult time of it since Theo took over. But, I mean, it's tough. But this is why you put power arms in the system. is because they filter up to the majors as relievers, and then they take a lot of pressure off of the starters in the first place. It's nice to know that sometimes all you have to it's do hard. is go five innings Yes, of allowing it's, one it's or two runs before you let the bullpen the Cubs take over, and you know you can have a good day that way. I would say. I would say some days Brandon just have Kinsler to be like is your number one bullpen option. It hasn't been a it ha- the year hasn't been all it's cracked up to be in the bullpen. Now the bullpen yeah. has been better than it seemed. Where early in the season they were basically collapsing every game, and it was you know tight roping out of games just to stay alive uh, before the Kimbrel signing. And once Kimbrel got signed, it seemed like it kind of clicked things into place. But I just briefly want to go over the disasters that have been like Xavier Cedeno and Tony Barnett and just how on earth were they so off with those kind of signings? Like those guys and Brock. I, I mean, I think the big thing, 
I think the, I mean, I think the big thing was that if you bring in guys like that, it's perfectly fine to say we'll give them a little bit of an opportunity to see if they can help the bullpen. But it's another thing entirely to say these are the guys we're going to rely on. Brad Brock hadn't been the same since 2017. Actually, as far back as 2016, he really hadn't. You know, like you go back and the last time he was really that version of Brad Brock was 2016. And maybe you think there's something we can pull out of him that's akin to what he used to be, but you don't rely on that guy as one of your end of game options. You know, Kinsler has been phenomenal. I'm so, I'm so happy with what he's done. Uh, I mean, he's turned it all around and has made that trade 100% worth it for him. Uh, So, I mean, that's worked out well. But again, not a guy who you would have expected going into the season to do that. Kyle Ryan, the same. Kinsler and Ryan have led the team in reliever F4 at .8 each, and they've both been phenomenal. I absolutely trust them with the ball in their hands I mean, the late in the, of the game year, when I was they're healthy. Completely right against both of them. You wouldn't I, have gone into the like, season can't have thinking. Two guys like this you definitely the wouldn't. And not then have both gone of them have the picked up their, their swing and miss rates. Um, both of them have lowered their walk rates, and both of them have maintained that high ground ball percentage, and it's leading to good results. I, yeah. I'm glad they. I'm glad it's worked out. That's not the kind of strategy I would want the Cubs to bring every year. But to you know, get grab some low, low, low strikeout rate guys and hope that they take it up is kind of a a terrible plan. But it, it worked out in this case, and you know, it seems like you know you can, lock, you can pencil Kyle Ryan in as like the number two, uh, the number two guy next year. Yeah. No, uh... Yeah, and I mean, it's been nice to see those guys succeed. But, you know, one of the big things is that, like, a guy like Pedro Strope has felt that he's kind of had to, like, pitch through clear injuries because the team needs him, and he hasn't been as effective for it. Uh, You know, he's back now. He seems healthy. And if he's truly healthy, you know, then I expect he should be pretty good. But alongside that came, you know, we lose Ciszek to injury. We lose Kinsler to injury. Uh, we lose Kimbrel to injury and we have no idea what's happening with any of those guys. We don't, we presumably Kinsler will be back pretty soon, but we don't yes. know what he'll look like when he gets back. And so it's a big deal to have guys like Underwood and Wick and other guys in AAA, like a Danny Holson, who, you know, can potentially give you big time innings. I mean, even Adbert Alzale is back healthy now. And I have to figure that come September, the Cubs are going to give him a look in a relief role for the rest of the season so as not to burn out his arm. And, I mean, you've got Alec Mills who can serve in that sixth starter role, and that's something I think he does quite well. Uh, You give Alzale an opportunity. You just give these big arms opportunities to come in and help the bullpen for the Cubs the rest of the season, and I think that's your best strategy. We're finally seeing those guys matriculate up through the minor league system, your Underwood and Wick. I want to. I want to briefly your Max, just mention Holson. I think James Norwood. The Cubs either need to give him a September call I mean, up. So or many of these guys. Plan for him to next year, because this guy is the 2011 draft pick. Um, and there's a 2010 draft pick. I thought it was 2011. I think it's 2011. The 2011 first round pick, last pick by uh, last first round pick by the Hendry regime, and. Danny Holson has found the success and is tearing up minor leagues where he has normal looking numbers 
as a as in AAA in the PCL, we just talked about the best the best players right now have four and five ERAs. Holson's down in the twos, I believe. I, last I checked, and he's dominating. Yeah, he's he. Yeah, there you yeah, go. I mean, he's he's pitching dominantly. Uh, you know, he's got, in AAA this season, one point four two ERA. I mean. That's over 12 and two thirds innings. That's insane. Nobody's doing that in AAA. Nobody. Uh, and Holson's been around the block. You know, he he was an he was the second overall pick back in 2011. Was what you were referencing. And that was you know, that was with the Mariners. And back then he was he was a big yeah you know, yeah no but he was a big pitching prospect. I mean real huge. And it just never it just never quite panned out for the guy. He's he's never made it to the majors. Injuries have derailed him every step of the way. And so he's a good story. You know, we know what injuries can do to young, talented pitchers. And ever since, he had never really been the same. But now he's coming back. He's a he's a left-handed pitcher with an extraordinary ability to get lefties out. He's striking out everybody in sight. He's striking out 38.5% of hitters in AAA. He deserves a chance in September because he's a big, powerful, strong, talented arm who can give something that give the Cubs something that uh, some of their other pitchers might not be able to, you know, the bullpen is still in a bit of flux and I don't know if you're talking about him proving himself in September to be good enough to be on like a playoff roster, but he belongs on the 40 man and you should absolutely put him there because, because he belongs in this bullpen next season at the very least. And that, and I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, the 40 man is in a little bit of a crunch right now, but, the guys who deserve to be there need to be there. The guys who deserve to be on the 40 man, like Danny Holson need to be on the 40 man. I mean, uh, I know they, you know, the 40 man is tricky. That, that's going been forward, a discussion. I believe pretty much all season they're long full right now. And they have to add Zobrist for the Cubs. They may have one extra spot for Zobrist. They might've used that for LeCroy, um, which by the way, Jonathan LeCroy got signed a couple of weeks ago and he's a, like last week, I think. And he's, he's just a perfect addition for this team. But in terms of bullpen specifically, Holson is exactly the kind of player you've wanted this team to run into, right? A former top talent, kind of coming back in, into a new role. Um, the, the Cubs just haven't had any of these types of guys just suddenly succeed. We've seen it all over baseball, all the time. Just some some top talent used to be good, and oh, now he's with another team. Now he's like Max Muncy and some of those other guys, the Cubs just, they never run into that. But like Eris, oh crap, I can't remember what his first name is. Aquino for the Reds. Uh, used to be a good prospect, kind of fell yeah. off the board, struck out too much. And here he is, you know, seven home runs in a week. Like the, the Cubs haven't run into that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Danny Holson is that where this is a guy who's big lefty reliever. This is the kind of guy that you're going to be looking for in the offseason to sign as a free agent. Anyway, just put one on the team right now. Right. Yeah, and I mean, you've got a few options for how to do that. I mean, personally, I would rather have him there than Randy Rosario. I mean, it's not meant to be any offense to Rosario, but he's mm. thus far in his time in the majors, his stints, a few of them extended periods of time in the majors. He hasn't shown any ability to miss bats, certainly not in the way we're seeing Holson doing. 
uh, as a left-handed reliever. And I think Rosario makes sense as a guy who becomes a casualty of that roster crunch if we need to put somebody on. I think it makes sense for him to become a casualty of that roster crunch. I think you absolutely have to make those moves. I think uh, that's what makes the most sense. You you definitely need to make those moves because – I want to see Holson get an opportunity. As do in I, and I, I want to see him I, as I look, for real and see and this, really this get may that not be a evaluation under our belt for what he can do for next season. Down, so I don't think that's right. Um, that, but I mean, one I of really the advantages, I think, Nick yeah. Castellanos just hit a home run, and yes, he did. So uh, live on Tuesday night, Nick Castellanos just hit his fifth home run as a Cub. Um, just in case you were wondering, uh, the which he's still just ex- excellent. Extend him, give him all the money. Nick Castellanos is the best. Uh, if Wilson Contreras isn't starting to make progress, that is a spot on the 40 man that could be opened up. Now you'd be sacrificing Contreras for the playoffs. And yeah, I don't want to do that, but at the same time, hamstring injuries are just so fickle. You may not be able to rely on him, but I believe if you put him on the 60 day, then if he's ready for the playoffs, like later in the playoffs, you could theoretically bring him up. IE Kyle Schwarber uh, in the 2016 world series, which the Cubs won. So, the, I hope not, but if he's not showing any. Yes, you can, you can do that. Uh, you know, I, mean, I, I don't think, I don't think that's going to be necessary. Uh, you know, because I, because I, I think that, yeah, as long as he's ready to go by the end of the season, you've got, like I said, you've got Rosario, you've got Brad Beck, uh, you've got Taylor Davis. Even Mark Zagunis, which would hurt my heart, still makes sense to. Yeah, that would uh, that would be the one. That would be another one, I think. Uh, So I think you're going to have enough. I think you'll have enough spots. Also, you know, Descalso. I'm looking it up. He is on the 10 day IL. He's only 10 day. Yeah, and I think that would be an that would that would be an obvious move. You know, he's. I don't think I don't think he's coming back to this team. Not this season. I think they they clearly don't want to throw that money in the garbage for next season. We, we could do a especially whole, considering a large part of his issues may I, have been that have he was never allowed to thoughts, rehab an injury which properly. Which you already which, even said something about it for you know, Stroke. The they allowed Steve Cishek to rehab an injury They've allowed Giscalso to play half the season while hurt. So they didn't put Chris <laughs> Bryant on the 10-day IL when he hurt his knee about two oh, weeks yeah, ago. We, and then the last three or four days he started to yeah. get well. And I'm like, well, you could have had somebody else up. But you didn't put Chris Bryant on the IL. And he had 10 days of just being utterly abysmal. I can't understand it. Yeah, I mean, it would have been very, would have been very easy, would have been very easy to do something like where you move, where you move Descalso to the sixty-day uh, IL and you bring up GM Brony, or you bring back Robel Garcia while Brian's hurt. I mean, you could have easily done these things to give him to say like, here, take two weeks off and rest, because you're going to be more important in September in the playoffs, yes. and it'll be better to have Chris Bryant at one hundred percent than it is to ever have him at sixty or sixty-five percent. I want Chris Bryant MVP. I don't want Chris Bryant moderate, moderately useful player. <laughs> like that's, uh, we got for a large portion of last season because he was hurt. We got Chris Bryant moderately mm-hmm. useful player. And what he's done this season is shown that quite clearly when he's healthy, he's not, he's not 2018 Chris Bryant. He's 2015, 2016, 2017, 2019 Chris Bryant. He's, 
He's the he's the full body of evidence we have on him as a player outside of last season. He's that guy. He's the guy who will consistently OPS over 900. He is a good defensive third baseman. He is an excellent base runner, quite possibly the best base runner on the Cubs. Uh, and that's with Javier Baez on the roster too. So yep. it's pretty astounding how good a base runner Chris Bryant is, how underthought a portion of his value that is. Um, you know, but guys need to be allowed to rehab injuries properly. Yeah. But clearly whatever's happening with this guy, so he's not coming back to the team this season because of that. And it may very well be in, in, that he wasn't allowed to rehab the injury properly, but he's not, he's not coming back for the rest of this season. I really doubt it. You need the roster space. Um, he's an easy guy to move to the 60 day IL and you gain one extra 40 man roster spot, just like that. So, I mean, it's, it's too easy a move to make. It's too obvious a move to make, um, especially with Zobrist coming back. At that back. point, yeah. And I you're think have you're to right move with back on being the, to the first casualty. The 40-man. Um, um, so I does think that's the scale of most of the 60-day IELs. Zobrist comes back. 40 man, I think that's exactly how that'll does, work. But I don't, think, I don't think it um, does, yeah. Right. Okay. So is Sedano and Kendall Graveman. Oh no, he he doesn't. He doesn't. Okay. He, he does not. He's on the sixty day IL. <laughs> I think we've hit and, the nail uh, on the head, though. I think those are the I guys think, that are going to get the the, sh- the short end. Yeah. So, I mean, and, uh, Rosario um, um, and Barnett's on the restricted list, so he doesn't count against and, uh, the forty man either. Um, I feel like Zagunas has some value, though. I you know once you get to Zagunas, I start feeling like eh, maybe maybe you shouldn't be Rosario so triggers. Taylor Davis would be one where you could yeah. consider it, considering the Zagunis potential depth at the next. upper minors right now. Um, I love Jay Higgins. I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, you know, I think by next, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think by next season, Higgins becomes the Taylor Davis um, of the organization, except probably a better defensive catcher. Uh, mm-hmm. For sure, I think you know you have you have PJ Higgins Absolutely. and you have Ian Rice, who I think are going to become the next versions of that. Ian Rice, probably the hitting's probably from the hitting end, and Higgins from the defensive end as catchers. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think you're going to struggle to find somebody who can be at least as good at, as Taylor Davis as like a third. Catcher I think I would before Zagunis, but so, again. I'm it not depends. worried about because you don't need uh, four catchers in September if Wilson's back. I'm not worried back. about DFAing him. I'm not worried about taking him off the forty man. If that's what you need to do, that's. But you might only need one guy. Is the thing you uh, might only need one or two spots. You might only need a Zobra spot and a Holton spot. I mean, because right now I don't think anybody else has earned their way on from the minors. No, I think I would too. I just don't know from, what the organization will do regarding that. I think he would. Yeah. I, I think, I think Gian Broni might be the one guy who you might want in September. You might want to reward how he's come back in the second half and really been excellent. But I don't think it's a necessity. He and Zach, he he and Zach Short are both guys who Gian Broni has. I think you could give spots to, but I don't think it's Um, necessary. Like I don't think it's a total necessity. I think you want to. Sure. 
Right. But I, I think it's, mm. I think, I think it's been better in the second half of the season, if I remember correctly. Still, I mean, that's not amazing, but I think he and he and Short are guys you want to hold on to heading into next season. So you probably revisit the 40 man discussion with them in the off season. Uh, but I don't think it's, you know, I think Holson and Zobrist are the guys who you're going to want to get back mm-hmm. on there for, for September. Otherwise, anybody else you want up at the major league level who's not currently there, like say yeah, September James Norwood, for instance, or Alec Mills, who is he's, probably he's going to be going down here year, in a few days to make room for Kinsler. Those guys can be brought back fairly easily because they're already on the 40-man. Dakota Mex might be one. Yeah, I mean... I, it's it's hard to take. That's the hard thing about this year in AAA is you have to take everybody's stats with such a huge grain of salt because the ball is flying out. I mean, it's in a way that it hasn't been at other levels. In a way that it hasn't been in AAA in recent years. I mean, uh, you know, Max is another guy who's seen his home run to fly ball rate like pretty much double at AAA, uh, and I think. I think it's hard to look at that and say that it's a real effect. Um, he's clearly a guy who's going to be, I think he'll get an opportunity out of the Cubs bullpen next season. He certainly, he generates whiffs, mm-hmm. uh, has usually generated a high ground ball rate. I think you get him out of AAA, that might help. Um, it's crazy to say that, that like guys are being helped by being moved from AAA to the majors. I mean, the majors has a juiced ball too but the environment has not been as bad as AAA and guys are being helped by being moved from AAA to the majors that it's, it's so strange to think that that's been a thing for some like guys, but it absolutely right? has like been for guys like we've seen this season, like on the team that um, Dwayne Underwood and talented uh, pitchers who have moved up to the and, majors have um, absolutely seen their numbers improve yeah. <laughs> over AAA. Uh, they're better. That's, yep. They're better. It's so strange. Yeah. I I'll pose a question for you here, and uh, it's one that I've kind of I've kind of I mean, gone over you, a couple I, of times. I don't know Twitter. what Rowan Wicks keep going back to it because AAA, I really feel like it's a better plan than anything else. Better, the Cubs yeah, I mean, I legitimately think that better. the best plan for the Cubs next season, regarding the bullpen, is to go into the the season not signing but maybe one relief pitcher, and go in with a bunch of young guys and Craig Kimbrell. Now, Kyle Ryan is not a young guy. He'll be there. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, I I think it definitely makes sense to go in that way because Kyle Ryan, he's not like some guy who came out of nowhere. He had had previous major league success. And the fact that he's having major league success again, uh, isn't necessarily it's not like unprecedented for him. Maybe he regresses next season, but there's a real chance he'll be good again. Yeah. If even if not this good, mm-hmm. useful out of the bullpen. All those guys. Uh, you go in with him. You go in with Kimbrel. The you go well, in with the, Rowan. The Witt, thing that really looks like plan. somebody who can. Right, and I want one guy back at the end of games. I don't want to be Kinsler with um, Dwayne Underwood to give Kinsler, him a shot. Danny okay. Holson, I'll, I'll live. Norwood. I, I would really whole prefer slew, yeah, whole slew to of these snag guys. somebody uh, that might have been given up on a little too early from another team. Maybe if Steve Shishek is healthy, bring him back because uh, he's been so good. Maybe if you can get Pedro Strope healthy, bring him back. 
one of those guys, but just one veteran guy in there to balance out all those, all that youth. And then you've got, you know, if you've got a list of 10 guys that you can fill in, you can send some of those guys down. And you know what the Cubs did this offseason was sign a bunch of guys that would keep guys with options who are major league talents down. So they signed Brad, Brad Brock, they signed Tony Barnett, they signed Xavier Cedeno, and those guys got in the way of being able to pull up guys with options and send down guys with options at will for that flexibility. I'm, I'm frustrated by the strategy because it wasn't a good strategy, right? I understand getting a, you know, kind of shooting that shotgun where you, approach where you go for a bunch of different arms, but the approach was bad because the arms all had no flexibility around them. And the Cubs have talent in the upper minors in, in pitching, right? They've got even another guy on the 40 man, Justin Steele has been injured. He's likely going to have to relieve at some point. Why not? He's already on the 40 man. Why not have that? Give him a chance. Let him see what's happening in AAA. Let him skip that level. Give him a shot in the bullpen in September. There's no, I think he's hurt, so you can't do that. But there's there's no reason that that couldn't have been the strategy going in to the season. Why did you need Xavier Cedeno when you knew you were going to acquire some bullpen pieces in the middle of the season and you knew that Kyle Ryan and Danny Holton were in the organization? And I, Wyatt Short's in the organization. He's another lefty. Craig Brooks is in the organization as a lefty. Or Brooks isn't a lefty, but Brooks had a really, really good time in Tennessee and has struggled in AAA. And there's a number of talented relief arms in the system right now. The Cubs didn't trust them. And I'm frustrated because why wouldn't you trust these guys? They're good pitchers. I mean, it's hard to, it's difficult to trust guys right out as young pitchers, but certainly it's like we said, Brock established that just about anybody would have been better than him. Uh, Cedeno and Barnett were both hurt. Those were good low cost additions, I think, in the sense that they could have worked out and they cost very little. Brock was a little more baffling to me in that he cost actual money and hadn't been the, the bar he needed to hit in order to be an upgrade on the bullpen was a lot mm -hmm. higher and he hadn't been that guy in several seasons. Um, there were, you know, I mean, it's one thing if you add a clear upgrade like a Craig Kimbrell out of free agency or going into this offseason, you have guys like Chris Martin is going to be available. You have guys like, uh, I mean, Jake Diekman who will be available. Uh, even someone like, I mean, Will Smith is going to be out there. Uh, those are some guys who can certainly help a bullpen. Um who should be available in the offseason. Uh, it's another thing entirely if it's Brad Brock who you're counting on to enhance your bullpen. Uh, then it becomes very – Rowan Wick, you brought him in clearly because you believed in his talent and ability. It would have been one thing to have had him in the minors through April, but a lot of what he's done recently is had people asking, couldn't he have been here a month sooner? Couldn't he have been here two months sooner? And absolutely, he, he absolutely could have been with guys struggling and with guys being hurt, Wick staying up and getting that opportunity over someone like Brock would have absolutely made sense. And I think that has to be your plan. I think it's perfectly fine to go in and add veteran relievers who have been effective in the recent past to your team on the right deals and something you absolutely should do. But filling out your bullpen from there, you should definitely be willing to go to your Holtzins and your Wicks and your Dwayne Underwoods and even give chances to 
your Dylan Maples of, is of the world, your Dakota Mexes, and your James Norwoods, guys who have looked impressive, whose repertoires are impressive, who just need an opportunity. And if you go into next season with Kimbrell, with Kyle Ryan, with Dwayne Underwood, with Rowan Wick, and maybe with a free agent acquisition, then those guys can have an opportunity in low leverage work to start the season to prove themselves. And if they succeed, then you can move them into higher leverage work. Bullpens are fickle things. So it's really worth it going into a season like that to see if guys with talent and ability can, can maybe help your bullpen. You're going to have guys like that going into next season. Yeah. Even there's, somebody there's another guy too, the guy we traded for Tommy LaStella for, Connor Lillis, Spike. Been hurt all season. You never know what's with him. And Alan Webster is a Joe Madden favorite. Alzale, if, if starting year, doesn't so you've got a couple more guys him, with possible he's options. He's talented enough to talent. be a very, very I, good I'm just saying, the Cubs have done a really good job stockpiling AAA arms to where I think that you can go into next season very confident in your depth. Um, uh, yeah, I think you. I think you absolutely can. I think the depth of the bullpen is really good right now, and I think it will be next season. And it's absolutely better to give those guys a shot than it is to give also rands like a Brad Brock a shot because those guys are probably not going to reverse the trend of age and decline, but guys who look talented and haven't yet and are younger and haven't yet had that shot are almost definitely going to be better long-term than your Brad Brock types. Uh, it's better to give those guys a shot and see what they have, especially when you can do it in low leverage work. You want to make sure you set up your bullpen so that you have guys who can work in the late innings. And I think that is Craig Kimbrell. I think that is Kyle Ryan. I think that is Rowan Wick next season. And I think that is Wayne Underwood next season. And then from there, you build a group of guys who can work in low leverage to start the season and for whom that is the role. And if they succeed, you give them higher leverage opportunities as the season wears on and as you need to give guys days off you know we've seen it this season c is most ineffective when he has to pitch all the time you know it's he can't he can't pitch every day nobody can pitch every day or their arm will break especially when relievers dial it up you're out there your pump your fastball increase speed your velocity increases by two miles per hour on all of your pitches so you're dialing it up when you're out there as a reliever you're pitching high stress high effort you can't do it every day. You don't want guys doing it. Yeah, I, um, you know, I think. So yeah, I think I think you've nailed it. I think you. This kind you of absolutely want to give those guys a chance. You've got it. Heading into next you've season. You've got and, it, and we'll see. I think a few it starts more with Joe in September. And I think I I think it's I think that's how you go. I think that's what you do. Probably right. Yeah, this. Yeah, this is it. It's a this. It's a tough. This is a really tough topic, right? Because Madden very well. He's probably the best manager in the history of the Cubs organization. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's hard not to say that he is. Like he, he definitely is. Um, yeah, and you don't want to regress from that. You don't want to go backwards. 
That's a and, very impressive start. Uh, it's apparently the first start. He's been, he's been the right guy at the right Lester time. In 2015 and 14. Uh, I just want to give a, in the middle of this, I want to give a oh, shout out big, to big Jose Quintana. I want to give a shout out to Q for 14 Ks in this game. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he deserves the shout out. What a night, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, career, new yes, career let's high. Let's get into Joe Madden. Uh, Hugh has been working it's been a really good bounce. Horrible starts. Really good, really good, really good bounce back season for, like for Hugh. In both um, of those, if you take those two starts season, out, he really deserves which, you know, if you a lot of the situation is entirely different. Uh, it would be different. So, but yeah, if you take those couple that, blow up starts out, Kosa Quintana probably that's would beautiful. Yeah, but I mean, Joe Madden. Yeah, he's been. We thought they would be. We'll have to get into Hugh Darvish next week, along with Kyle Schwarber, uh, just some some guys that are having great seasons uh, yeah. and great second the, halves mostly. The fact that the fact that he's like the number four starter on this team right now, yeah. I mean the the starting staff has been. We do need to do, we do need to get into Tommy Hall. Yeah, I'm a big last season. And this, actually, that we can maybe talk about him right here, because um, Joe Madden has had some abrasive yeah, and comments. I, and I, yeah, at some point, I, at point some point, I'm going I'm to do my frustrated by my love fest rant for Tommy Hotovy, but not today. <laughs> not common knowledge. Joe Madden's a horrible bullpen. Yeah, yeah, we, we can. Yeah, he can definitely be mentioned in this discussion of Joe Madden. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I mean, the point has been brought up that lots of major league managers are bad at managing a bullpen, which is true. Uh, it's not the strong suit of many a major league manager, but there's bad and there's worse. And he's gone from having been mediocre at it with the Cubs the first few seasons as manager of this organization to just plain out worse. And at times he hasn't had the best options, but even given the options he's had, he's often made the wrong choices. Like you said earlier, using Derek Holland to face righties when the front office explicitly has stated he was acquired because of his ability to get lefties out. And Joe very well knows that that's what Holland is good at. He knows that that's what he's there to do. He's not a full inning reliever. He's not Kyle Ryan. He's not that proven reliever who can get both handednesses out and who can more easily pitch a full inning. He is a lefties only option. He is a loogie. He's good at that. He's a very good addition for that purpose. But if you use him against righties, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get burnt more often than not. And that's you, you don't want to use him for that purpose. Yeah. Or David Phelps. David Phelps was acquired to be a solid middle relief option who we could use to cover middle relief so that we, don't, so that we can use guys like Rowan Wick at the end of games. Mm-hmm. Or even Phelps, who can pitch a seventh or eighth inning on a day where one of those guys is not available. Uh, Phelps is a guy you use for that. I mean, we've seen over the course of the se- of the season when Pedro Strope was struggling, clearly wasn't truly fully healed from his injuries. Joe kept running him back out there in late game situations, with all well knowledge that that was not something he should have been doing. Even as recently as two or three weeks ago, he was doing this. In, over a guy in Rowan Wick yeah. who clearly showed the aptitude and ability to be able to pitch at the end of games. 
you know, you you can't do that if your if yeah. your goal is to win games. Uh, he's even made statements can't and to the point where he said, you know, he said something to the degree with Holland where you have to let guys do things and see if they can do it, and 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 that was following on the heels of his whole uh, it's it's big boy time or whatever. It's okay. boy time, you know, that silly quote of his. You can't have it both ways. You can't, you can't say it's August, but we're still going to give guys opportunities to see if there are things they can do that they haven't previously been able to do. And then also say it's big boy time. We have to hunker down and win games so we win this division. At this point, whatever guys are, they are. They've, they've shown you who they are as players. And now is not the time to try to fix them. You have that luxury when you are a non-competitive team, when you are in the midst of your competitive window, you are in first place and you're attempting to win pennants. That's not something you can really do. You know, that's something you work on in the off season. That's something you work on in spring training. That's something you even work on in April when your bullpen is not quite set, when you're, when you're, uh, when your daily lineup rotations I would say are not that even quite more 100% egregious set. Of late it's not something trend you has do been leading in August when you've acquired players for specific purposes. He has been atrocious. And you know and what guys can and can't do. Most at this point, team is, you know it's, it's not advisable to put Forbury out there against lefties every day. You know it's not advisable to let Derek Holland pitch to right-handed hitters. Yes. If that, if not I. Yeah, no. Yeah, and like it's. Yeah, I mean, mo- given how he's played, he shouldn't even be in the or lineup probably, hey, most days. But if you're going to play him, he should be batting eighth. Yeah, you know I, he should. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's he should Joe be batting at the that, bottom that's of the lineup. I, that's where I have uh, my biggest. Joe that's that. Like is and Derek Holland is not Danny. Back, I don't really see you a reason to play him, him out there, there and say, "Well, I don't know what he's going to do." Ian Hap should be getting a lot of those starts in center field. If when Danny Hope Jason Hayward, Hayward, Hayward is I mean, a the, the no, split should be Hayward and Hap going to get destroyed by right-handed you know, hitters. And Joe Madden, like the second game they had him, threw him out there against Matt Readers, who had a home run. I, I cannot possibly tell you how much more over Joe Madden I am just because of things like this. Where it, it's not, yeah, and I, I, well, let me back myself up for that. There's no, there's not any. I should. People are going to say, oh, well, you hate Joe Madden. He's the best pitcher in Cubs, you know, best manager in Cubs history. You can't, you can't say that. But I understand. I understand the, the ramifications of and then, you know, you know, there's... what he's done for the team. But what he's also done yeah. is grind the gears of every fan all the time. From last year at the end of the year when he was grousing for wet, wanting Addison Russell on the team, who has come this year and just been awful. In every aspect of the game, except for hitting in the AAA, which everybody and their mother can do, I, I can't understand. I can't understand Madden's. Like you, you listen to, you go back and look at some of those comments from last last September. He's all oh, we really wish we had his glove out there and this and that. And then this year, he's been he was just horrible all the time, making wrong, wrong bases and stuff. And it's the stuff that Madden should have taken care of, and he didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he, he's defending the wrong people, you know, and uh, and maybe and with Almora especially, maybe it is that 
what happened in Houston with the fan hit by the foul ball. Maybe that's affecting him mentally. We don't know. But then that's that's something for him to work on. And maybe you put it maybe you put him on a restricted list. Maybe you let him see a sports psychologist. Maybe you let him work through those complicated feelings because people are human. And I feel like Joe Madden, one of the things he was so good at in those first few seasons was the human end of things with these players. And that's something I feel he's very much lost touch with and lost sight of. He's lost sight of that human end. Uh, it's clear that very many a, of those guys in that locker room did not like I Addison Russell. Stats, I care and that's partly on the front and office what, and the ownership as well. In the but book it was Joe well Madden's decision Blake. to play him all the time I care about when stats, he had the option of using and David Bowie, that's not special. And then I look who was at not, who was not a domestic, field, not a domestic abuser and was certainly hitting better than Addison Russell was. As best I can, the last couple of years where I've kind of, I went from being, oh, the stats are the only thing. And I'm kind of tired of that because there's a lot of people who are just, they scout the scorebook and they don't scout, they don't watch any of the games, they don't watch the players. And Addison Russell in the field is just, I mean, he's an idiot. It's clear. And the reason those comments and all that stuff was coming out was because he was not a good player. And Fangraphs is going to be out here giving him a plus five DRS and a, you know, plus eight DF, and it's going to pick up for his subpar bat. And I don't see it. I really, really don't see it. And I don't know where they're going from with that. Yeah, they really shouldn't. And it really shouldn't matter because he's a terrible person. He's, we've, it, you know, he, we've talked about this that mm-hmm. that there's been there, there was very little consideration for his for his ex wife there, or for right. the feelings of the women fans of the Cubs, or for really anybody who felt that this was an atrocious person to have on the roster, or really for the guys in the clubhouse who had no de- who had no desire for good reason to defend this person to the media who really did not want to, you know, a guy, a guy who they really didn't want to have to stand in defense of to the media, who you almost put them in the position of having to do that when he's in the locker room every day. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. a difficult thing. We saw, you know, the Cubs, they, they play a lot better without him there. And there's something to the psychology of that, that you're lighter and freer when you don't have yep. that person around. And, you know, we've, we've talked this to death. This conversation has occurred on Twitter far too often. Um, and he's still in the organization, which itself is bad, at least not in the majors, but it's, it's still bad. Uh, and clearly there have been comments made by Madden that show that he's out of touch with this at this point. And I think the organization, it's fair that they might want somebody who's a little more in tune with the analytical side of thinking, uh, somebody who's a little bit younger, someone they feel can better relate to the players, somebody who can handle the media at this point better and who understands the changing nature of the modern game and of modern society. Somebody who represents that in a way that they want the club represented. And I think we've mentioned it, we mentioned it a little bit ago, but, you know, somebody, maybe not necessarily him, but somebody like Tommy Hadabi, who does, who brings an advanced knowledge of analytics, of advanced scouting, of new technological techniques, the pitching lab has also been the pitching coach. He really was a major league pitcher himself. He understands how to talk to players. He understands new and changing data. Beyond that, he understands 
the new and changing methods of scouting, the new and changing methods of player evaluation, both observationally and database. So you get both ends of that. Uh, he seems like somebody who probably knows the right things to say and who can, moreover, it's not just the data and, and the, the entire starting new observational time. and technological uh, techniques. It's the ability to communicate those to a play to the players in a way that gets them to understand them and accept them. We've seen that really with the way, with the work he's done with the starting pitchers this season. We've seen that in the work he's done with guys like Kyle Ryan and Brandon Kinsler this season, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, nobody's a miracle worker. You're not going to turn somebody who can't pitch into somebody who can pitch, but you can take people who can pitch and have been struggling and get them back to a place where they have confidence in their abilities. You can make them the best version of themselves. And Hadavi has really done that. He's undone a lot of the mess that was in place for this Cubs organization from a pitching standpoint the last several seasons. And he's really, he's evened that out. He's straightened that out. And he deserves a lot of credit for that, especially in, like I said, in being able to communicate the ideas. He's a guy who was working in the pitching lab before last, before this season. And he's taken that and he's made that a big part of what he's worked on with all of these guys is the stuff that they've come up with in the pitching lab. It's cutting edge. And he's good at communicating those ideas to the players. And so if he, if, if, if not him, somebody like that, who's a little bit younger, who's a little bit closer to the modern game of baseball, who remembers a little bit more of what it was like to be a player in the era of data, in the era of pitching labs, in the era of spin rate and stat cast, who, who remembers what it was like to be have all these things thrown at you as a player and not necessarily always know what they are and to be able to communicate those ideas in layman's terms so that a player feels more comfortable with that knowledge feels more comfortable with those types of things. Joe is clearly, I think, lacking a little bit in that this season and last season. Right. And, and I think that, that logic it's not, makes I don't think it's to have great animus towards Joe Madden to be super angry at him. Other than it's maybe just Hotty, to say that Dave there might Ross, be a better fit moving that forward. Or if you've listened to Ross uh, talk somebody who's younger, who understands those things and can impart those ideas to players. You've got high OBP guys at the top. And you know, I how, think that's the trend you know, in Major League he, Baseball. He's, going, he's ahead of the sense. curve when it comes to advanced stats. He may not be Tommy Hadovy. I think David Ross would be a really good one where he – those types of guys – or sorry, the Cubs. Javi Baez brought David Ross up on uh, – nobody nobody told him to say it. I don't remember what that word is for now. But Javi, Javi said, oh, David Ross helped me do this. He's helped me be a better baseball player. If you're hearing that, that's, a, that's, a, that's bells. That's warning bells. Sign this guy. Let this guy be the manager. Is the career? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, yeah, no, and I mean, he had to survive in his career as a player on that wavelength. He was with the Red Sox and the Cubs, both at times where these were organizations that were analytically and data-based teams and organizations. And he got a a bird's eye view of that. And as somebody who, who a lot of his value was tied up in things like catcher framing, you know, he knows that he knows about being ahead of the curve. He knows about analytics because it's a lot of the reason why he lasted as a player was his, his, intrinsic value 
in things, like I said, like catcher framing or catcher defense that have come a long, long way in the analytics community uh, since the early 2000s even. I mean, even the last five to six years, that has come so far in terms of what we understand about, and it's still evolving. It's still not perfect. It's still getting there. And But that's a large part of how he sustained his career was in those assets where he could help the team. And he understands that getting on base is an important thing. He understands that that's how you build a lineup, is you build a lineup full of guys who can get on base. He, But moreover, it's those layman's terms. You can communicate those things to guys. And that's why we've seen a trend towards these guys like Aaron Boone and Gabe Kapler, who have an ability to, for whatever else they are, they have an ability to communicate advanced ideas players in layman's terms. They truly believe in that. You hear that and you go, wow, why would you want to hear that? Sometimes it's not... Nick As Castellanos' job forward, to understand his exit velocity and what he needs to do. It's guys coach's like job to understand that, communicate that to him, Nick, you're, you know, you're lowering your shoulder a little bit too much, you need to change your mechanics in such and such a way, and then they do it, right? That's that's the job. That's the coach. Yeah, maybe he doesn't understand those terms and maybe he doesn't care about those terms, but I'm sure he cares about the idea of getting the ball in the air versus putting it on the ground. He's a guy who hits the ball in the air a lot, and he certainly cares about that. And if you can impart it in, to him in such a way that gets him to understand that, I mean, he's clear, you know, he's clearly not somebody who really needs an adjustment right now, but it's just an example to say like, yeah, you know, maybe if you do this thing with your shoulder, maybe if you do this thing with your swing, it'll help you get the ball off the ground that's a thing that guys, a lot of guys understand. There are some very, there are some guys who are very deeply embedded in analytical thinking. We've heard Cole Hamels talk about a lot of very big data concepts that he's embedded in with the Cubs, but not every guy is like that. Not every guy is in tune with that. And what Castellanos said in that interview, I don't think it's incompatible with being a good modern baseball player. I think, like you said, it's on the coaching staff to be in constant discussions yeah. with the analytics and scouting and video end of the organization and to take what they're learning from that and be able to filter it into language that the players can understand. That is the job of coaches and managers in modern day Major League Baseball. And you need guys who can be able to do that. And a guy like Tommy Hadovy, who that's literally been his job, where it's something he's been deeply, deeply in tune with, is the kind of person who you want leading a major league baseball team in the future. And it's those types of guys who are being hired all across major league baseball to be managers. It is your Brandon Hyde's and uh, your Aaron Boone's and your David Ross's the guys who are relatively young. I want to finish who with two names that I do not want of for Joe Madden replacement. Should the Cubs to go another way. And know how to phrase it for players and such a way that they understand the what's being said. And so that Big they time don't no. feel averse. From two notes. Yeah. So we've yeah, we've talked about a lot. The opposite. The exact opposite. Feels good. Feels good talking about the Cubs. It, it, yeah. Yes, I think I know who you're going to say. Go ahead. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Joe Girardi is a very old school way of thinking kind of guy, and I don't feel like we need that. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's, you know, he's the Yankees got rid of him for Aaron Boone because Aaron Boone was somebody far more in tune with the players and the modern game of baseball, and he frequently proved that on ESPN yeah. broadcasts. That you know that team with Jessica Mendoza and Aaron Boone was so good because of how deep their well of knowledge ran. Um, and that's why they brought him in was because he could communicate that to the players. Yep. He could communicate those concepts. Um, DeRosa does not do that. Girardi does not do that. DeRosa is the kind of galaxy brained ex player yep. who gets hired by MLB network because people used to describe him as gritty. Um, he is when he gets on MLB Network with guys who understand statistics and analytics a little bit better, he is consistently outmatched in discussions on studio panels, which is not good when you're talking about getting somebody to manage a team who can communicate big ideas uh, because you have to understand the big ideas first. Before you can filter them into simple language, you have to understand the big ideas. Mark DeRosa does not understand the big ideas. <laughs> I understand a lot of Cubs fans still have an image of him in their heads because of what he did for the Cubs as a player, but not every guy who was interesting as a player should be a manager. Um, yeah. Uh, those are two guys who I don't want. And I really don't think those are the kinds of guys the Cubs are going to go after. I think it's baseless speculation to think that's what they would do. I think the break from Joe Madden, if it happens mm -hmm. is coming because they want younger because they want less old school. We got to hope so. Because they uh, one want final. A, Joe, a, Madden, a better Joe Madden pulled Kyle Ryan. And uh, that's not going to be your drawing who has um, had his fair share of PR and media up. disaster he gaps. He pulled Kyle Ryan in favor of David Mark Phelps Rosa, who so, is uh, one of the favorite Madden, whipping yeah, boys of himself there, right? because that's of the kind of consistently talking about. silly things he says on MLB Network. I don't think it's going to be those guys. I don't think it'll be guys like that. Yeah, probably yours. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Uh, you know. Yeah, but then guy. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know what it takes for Kyle Ryan to prove that he is a full inning reliever of high capability. He is an end of game pitcher for the Cubs. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure what it will take. You know, we've seen that a lot from Madden. A guy who we trust out of the bullpen gives up a single or one walk and he pulls them. Yeah. It's fine to be wary of guys. It's good to have people up in the bullpen in case somebody implodes. No, it's good so. to back yourself or up. At least it's good to cover yourself that, in case of trouble. You know, it's not good miss to pull guys who's more after of a, one hit or one walk necessarily when they've middle innings. previously and, and proven this is the to you. Thing you're talking about but that's not necessarily where, an issue. You know, close game, tie game. I don't guys necessarily will give up a hit want anyone but then. my top pitcher. But Kyle Ryan has proven all season so, long against the top of the Phillies order, which is their only dangerous part of the order. It's very, very frustrating. And I'm, you know, we're sitting here. I don't think we have any evidence. stuff like Joe Madden that David Phillips is a better pitcher than Kyle Ryan. Comment. I'm, I'm sitting here understanding that Kyle Ryan you know, could have taken those batters. Chris, uh, no, he didn't tie it up. Yeah, I mean, I think... I. 
Yeah, I mean, because some of it is not, some of it we're not privy to. We're not privy to who's available on a certain day all the time. We're not privy to how certain guys are feeling on a certain day. But what we do know is we know who's been good. We know who's been good against certain handedness of pitchers. We know who's been good throughout the season. And we know that Kyle Ryan coming off the bereavement list is fresh. He's so a fresh arm. Kyle Ryan is your best guy. Need to be on your next best guy right now is Rowan Wynn, right? Like, closely. That's, we're coming off an off day. Everybody's available. This, and I'm, he's been one of our best, most reliable pitchers out of the bullpen all season long. He's been somebody who we should have great trust for given what he's done this season. And there's no reason to pull him in that situation. Especially against the top of the Phillies order, the hitters who you know you need your best guys in there against. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you should go. Yeah, no, you go in order there, you go Ryan and you go Wick. Those are your top two. And uh, if not Ryan, you go Wick, and that's that should be the pecking order. Absolutely. Uh, and th- those are the kinds of things. It's not just that he's made those mistakes. It's that he's been so defensive when people have called him out for it. Not understanding that, no, you don't have to have been a Major League Baseball coach or a baseball coach of certain levels for 30 plus years to understand baseball. You don't, you aren't necessarily privy to all the details Joe Madden is, but plenty of people understand baseball. Plenty of people understand it on a deep level and plenty of people who are not major league coaches or managers have influenced our knowledge of the game and the way we think about the game. I mean, everything that people think about catcher framing came from Mike fast. Not a major league baseball coach. He was a baseball writer. I mean, people who are not coaches have influenced our thinking on the game in deep, deep ways. And it's that defensiveness, especially to the media, that I think has Joe on the outs, really, is the organization doesn't want somebody who reacts that way to being questioned. You know, we understand that managers make mistakes. We understand that you're only human. But you can't react with so with you can't be indignant when people say, "Hey, do you think you could have gone with Rowan Wick in that mm-hmm. situation? Hey, do you do you think Derek Holland should be limited to pitching We're to lefties? Leave you guys on a sour note. Do you think David Phelps should be given chances to, to cut ahead. his teeth in middle relief um, before you start trusting him with late innings work? Those are two and those are valid bias, questions that deserve to be asked. Just do it right here, and you have but, to answer uh, them yeah, honestly. Go ahead. I'm trying to sign off. You can't answer them we'll get back to you guys soon. with I, appeal to authority. Um, like I'm the manager, you you're not. I'm the one who knows better. You have to answer it honestly, and you can't presume that the people asking you the question are idiots. It's a bad way to go. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully yeah. Hopefully, we get there. Let's go Cubs. Yep, we'll see you. Yeah, the plan is to plan is to record early in the week each week, like we're doing now. Uh, we've got some new tools. Uh, got a little ZenCaster here, Anchor FM. It's a beautiful new podcasting tools. Sounds great. I think the audio quality is excellent. So I'm super stoked to bring you the new Sing Those Covey Blues, guys. Let's go Cubs. Yeah. I'll see you next week, David. Yeah. Bye.
Sign on. This has been a Bloomberg Brothers and Friends production. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Hope you'll join us in the future.